So, listen. Hmm. I need to say something to you. And there's no easy way of putting this. I'm just going to let it out. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> I've been a bit unfaithful to you. Right. There was, I don't know, there, there was this woman. She does her own podcast and, you know, I guested on it. She didn't ask for you. She asked for me. And I just thought, it's too big an opportunity. <sighs> Sorry. I can't say I'm surprised i suspected something for some time i'm sorry you know i was, i can't go on joe i know try and do the intro all right but we're gonna need counseling mm. okay Welcome everybody to episode 159 of the Mid-Faith Crisis Podcast. Hey! <laughs> hey. <laughs> My name is Nick Page. There is the unfaithful podcast Lothario, <laughs> Joe Davis. Hello! <laughs> so, so tell me about it. What podcast was it? This is on the Jenny Talks podcast with the lovely Jenny Osborne. And you know her, or we know her, Sadly, showing our age as Pete Staley's daughter. Oh, okay. Mm. Right. Mm. Lovely. Yeah. yeah, I know. Wonderful woman doing crazy, crazy good stuff uh, for youth workers and young people. So, yeah. And why was she interviewing you as a kind of cautionary tale? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, look what could happen to you, youth workers, if you, if you don't <laughs> fuck your ideas up. <laughs> it's exactly why I was there. So, this shell of a man was once a youth know, worker. You, know, you joke, but we both know that isn't a joke, that I am no. a shell of a human being at the moment. <laughs> so let's let's get it out in the No, open, let's... Joe. Well, no, people, people need to know, because you, you've... you've So firstly, the camera, yeah. people want yeah, to know, I know. About that. The camera wasn't as big as I feared, so that went fine. Uh, yeah, but I'm concerned. The person putting it in, have they had trauma counselling? <laughs> yeah, but I, be- I believe so. <laughs> yeah. And, and thanks for your concern for them. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was concerned, but I was also, I, you know, it's so much comic opportunity yeah. that I couldn't. Yeah, miss out no, on it, I know. Really. Sure. Yeah. But <laughs> the other end of your body, yes. uh, from where your brain is. Um, your your teeth, your dentist, you're in a bad way, aren't I, you? I you're genuinely, not in a good way. I went to the butcher of Worthing. <laughs> I don't know. It's a funny... I, I, you know, I can't be bothered. There are people so much worse off than me. But I had proper trauma yesterday. That's all I'm going to say. It really hurt. I mean, I've had a crown fitted before. It doesn't hurt at all. This one really hurt. Yeah. Still blood everywhere. Don't know how he manages to get so much blood. And of course, you don't have the pink swishy stuff, you know, that you gob out because oh, of really? COVID. Yeah, you're not allowed to have that at the moment. So I got, oh. and so at the end of it all, he's, he's I mean, literally, I've been in so much agony and I've been brave, uh, really. Um, oh. And I say, you know, look, any chance of a tissue... So I can spit all this blood out of my mouth. Except I don't say that. I say, <laughs> which I don't feel I should have to ask for. Anyway, I went out to pay, and I was—I I had a funny turn. That's all I can describe it as. Did you? I, I felt dizzy and weird, and I'd sit down. <laughs> it's like a proper old man that I am. 
I'm not surprised if you've uh, <laughs> if a you've lost blood and b you've gone private and are now oh, facing just, yeah. <laughs> the bill. Such a joy to pay for I'd, that. I'd have privilege. to sit down. Yeah, anyway, anyway, so well, I need a holiday. I'm completely mm. fed up, and. I just bought Rachel a present to say thank you for putting up. I mean, thank you for putting up for me 36 years, but more especially the past month where I've been such a misery guts. But there is a holiday coming. Now, here's the thing. I just met with the lovely Conroy, one of our dear friends from the vineyard in Southampton. Uh, and I met with him in Arundel. And guess what? He bought me lunch. But while I was having lunch, it was in this lovely little shop in, in Arundel. Uh, I said, oh, I, I need to get a cake for Rachel to take it home because that's a lot of husband points. Hmm. Um, but he paid. And I said, no, you can't pay for the cake that I'm buying for Rachel, because hmm. then, then then, who's got it for Rachel? Has he got it? And I've got it. And if he's got it, why is he buying my wife cake? And also, what does his wife make of him buying cake for another woman? I mean, there's lots yeah. of dilemmas. Did I get it for Rachel, or did Conroy get it for Rachel? That's, hmm. Well, maybe it's the new charity uh, you know, cakes for Rachel. Yeah, well, that charity is funnily enough long established, and this is more than in credit. I had an amazing cake the other day. Did you? I, it, there's a place called Hunters in Whitney, and uh, yeah. they do the most amazing sugary cakes. And they do a uh, cream egg uh, and cookie dough scotch egg. They call it. Oh, I so bet. I bet that's not a, too sweet. It's basically a cream egg. <laughs> In a ball of cookie dough. Oh, that's, that's I mean, good. literally, I've got, you know, I can cope with a bit of sweetness, but literally a quarter of it is enough to induce some kind of diabetic reaction. I mean, it's just the most sugary thing ever. Oh. It was nice, though. Well, that Especially sounds great. microwave it ever so slightly. Whoa. Oh, that does sound good. Now, let me, let me finish on a high. Here's a good note. Go on. So uh, there's a fabulous author called John Philip Newell. Oh, yeah, well, maybe, maybe. Well, yeah, OK. Up and coming I mean, author. Is any author ever fabulous apart no, from me? No, no, they're not. Fair OK. Enough. Anyway, the point about uh, John Philip Newell, or JP mm. to his friends, JP and I, uh, is that uh, he used to be the leader of the owner community, uh, and was until recently a member of the Church of Scotland, till he renounced his ordination. He's writing a new book. But the great news is, not only is he a lovely, lovely human being, he's agreed to come on the podcast. Oh, so excellent. that's something for July. So, good. There you go. Very good. That's exciting, isn't it? A guest, proper content, lots of stuff. Now, before I say, how are you? Let me just tell the listeners something important oh, about you. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm now going to, go to I'm going to hand over to Nick. I'm 60 years old today, <laughs> if today is Saturday. <laughs> Nick, uh, when are you retiring? I mean, you're, you're, you're on the cusp. Well, the funny thing, it's a, it's a weird thing. I know. I mean, I'm recording this two days before, so I don't know. What yeah. but, but the prospect is really weird. I'll yeah. report back later, I think. Okay. Also, you know, I can't believe you're 60. Genuinely. I mean, when we knew much. each other, we were kids, basically. 
I mean, we might have been in our 20s, but I feel like we were kids. I mean, now we're not the mature men of faith we are. (laughs) I think you're confusing being kids with being childish. uh, I don't think we've actually ever stopped that bit. That must be it. It is odd, though. I mean, I talked last week about these tapes I found from us at Spring Harvest. And I found a whole lot more of the original stuff. And, um, And it's 1991. I know. Yeah. It's 30 years ago we were How can that be 30 years ago? That's just bonkers. We were funnier then as well. We've <laughs> of gone course down we hill. were. Of course we have. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, listen, other than that, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm all right. I'm feeling uh, pretty healthy. Uh, good. I think uh, I, I believe entirely in wildlife gardening, but I th- I'm hating slugs and pigeons. Oh, amen, brother. Who have just eaten a lot of my crops. I know. Yeah, I know. We decided we're going organic. Despite every organic pest control measure always failing in previous years, we decided we can't use slug pellets anymore. Mm. And sure enough, everything we put in has been eaten. We're basically feeding slugs and snails. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, if David Attenborough wants to come around and deal with my slugs instead of telling me to go organic, that would be helpful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Come on, Attenborough. Where are you when we need you? (laughs) <laughs> Somebody said nematodes to me. Yes, did they? Well, you will get well, that a lot. <laughs> I don't know whether it was some just kind of swear word in Greek or something. But anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, garden's good apart from the slugs and the pigeons. Um, Eurovision, it's Eurovision week. We love a bit of Eurovision. On your birthday? Yeah, do... Well, no, plus the semifinals. Oh, okay. You're so really the semis- if you, Yeah, if you like, no, here's the thing. If you like Eurovision... The semi-finals are what you need because the semi-finals is where all the weirdness is. Oh, is it? Before it gets kicked out. Oh, OK. So, you know, they have to pre-qualify. There's so many countries no, now, apparently, know. in Europe, including oh. Australia. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> and Israel and all these places, you know, that, that yeah. you think, is that really Europe? Anyway, um, so they have to have pre-qualifying, right? So you have two semi-finals now, and that's where you get the ones that are very strange. Classic Eurovision stuff. Nick, uh, just, so just good fun. Despite knowing you for a hundred years or more, mm. it still it surprises me that you're so into Eurovision. Well, I'm not really okay. It's I'm just nice really... that you can still surprise me in this relationship. I, I love that. About I you. could surprise you in a number of ways, but <laughs> it's not really that that I'm into it. It's that I enjoy the ludicrousness of it. Okay, uh, and and I love it. You know, when I don't know some. That some Ukrainian does a mashup of folk, folk warbling and hip hop or something. You know, it's, I love that kind of stuff. Um, I, I only ever watched like the first half of the final really because the marking's just tedious. But you know, yeah. it's quite, it's, okay. it's quite fun. So okay. that's good. And I've and I've had another. I've had an. Oh, I need to turn down. I've had another speech therapy. Um, Ooh, good uh, session. Good. And um, you know, last time she was talking about I needed vocal naps. Mm-hmm. Which I, I know filled your heart with joy. It does. This time she said, you need to be quieter. Oh, you do. <laughs> Less um, of you and more of me, Lord. I don't think she had you in mind, actually. <laughs> okay. But she had... She, yeah, so I've got to not only shut up, but when I do speak, I've got to be quieter, apparently. Wow, it's like it's your birthday, but I'm the one getting the present. (laughs) (laughs) 
actually, I found it. I'm going to talk about this later on. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 I found it at this time a remarkably sort of spiritual process, really. But I, I'll, I'll touch on that right. later. The other, the other problem I've got with it is I've got to hydrate a lot. Right. Which is, um, I know, is good. No, but yeah. the problem is, you know, for a 60-year-old man, hydrating... Yeah, that can mean only one thing. That can mean... <laughs> well, not just one thing. What goes out? Uh, many, many, many things are the same thing. You know, okay. frequently, within 30 seconds of each other. So, you know, it's, it's a problem. So the perils of hydrating. How this podcast has changed in nature and sense. Really? I think <laughs> so. <laughs> anyway, shall we, we get on with it? I think people don't want okay. this, surely. Uh, well, I know they don't want that, certainly. Let's have some feedback then. Okay. Away you go. Right, here we go. Neil says, uh, hi there, Joe and Nick. I really like your discussion about the role of a hybrid model of church going forward and you may remember we talked about you know being uh, uh, to a more fluid model yeah yeah Uh, uh, quite a long year where i finish this by saying i now feel that i engage more deeply spiritually with my forest church friends than i do with my local church and the perhaps sad reality is that this morning i decided to listen again to the discussion in episode 156 and write this email rather than going to my local church so he says the key questions i see going forward are then First, how will physical churches survive and provide that community feel if a large group of people also move to a portfolio approach to their spiritual diet, i.e. when will we all be in church at the same time to actually get that important sense Mm. of community? And he says, secondly, how will churches financially survive if people attend a lot less often? He says, take care, guys, and thanks so much. It feels like we should uh, get somebody on the podcast to talk about the future of church, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Perspective or Mm. a few other people. I would say that, well, frankly, a lot of physical churches aren't surviving. Yep. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're closing. Um, And I think when we talked about it afterwards, you know, my my um, my (laughs) my admission that not everything I say on this podcast is entirely thought through. Yes, indeed. Which evidence uh, for which can be found in just the last few minutes, frankly, of this uh, this uh, exactly. uh, podcast. Um, you know, I, d- I don't think it's about not being committed to a, a local community or local church. Yeah. It's about other things nourishing. You're not expecting everything to get everything yes, exactly. from your local church. So I yeah. do I do think that important sense of community is still there. Mm. Um, churches and finance, well, that's just a, a huge mm. issue. And, and what it means is basically... Um, well, one of the things it means, I think, is basically that that the laity are going to have to play more of a role. Mm. You know, it's yeah. In the Anglican Church, two major costs: staffing, um, well, pensions particularly, but staffing yeah. costs and uh, buildings. Buildings, yeah, sure. You know, but but I don't know. I think it'd be good to maybe yeah. get somebody in to see what what do they think. Yeah, good. should we get the Archbishop? Yes, should Justin. We, should we give him a? Give him a ring, see if he wants to come. Oh, do you know, I have tried. Did you know have I you? tried? Yeah, I no. tried. Yeah, I have. I genuinely tried, and he said no. <laughs> I thought he'd be great to have on. I can't believe that. Last time I saw him, he didn't. He yeah, that's how it goes. That's how he rolls. He's, he's yeah. it's so important. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Right. Chris. Right, Chris. Chris says this. Hi, Joe and Nick. Thank you for the podcast, and particularly thank you for keeping it real and honest. He said, I like Brian McLaren's Stages of Faith, which makes a lot of sense. I want to respond to two points using an analogy. He says, in school science lessons, when kids learn about atoms, they learn that an atom is the smallest bit that everything is made of. 
Then, a few years later, they learn that actually there are smaller things. There are protons and neutrons in the middle with electrons spinning around them. If they stick with science later, they learn that actually inside the protons and neutrons there are quarks of different types, including strange and charm, and the electrons don't really spin around well, only sort of. But if you know where the electron is, <laughs> then it's not possible to know how fast it's going and vice versa. And actually, the electron might not even be a particle because sometimes it behaves like a wave instead. And there are probably a lot of other particles as well, some of which have no mass. Some might travel back in time and some only exist for a fraction of a second and he goes on so why don't we tell eight-year-old school kids all about the subatomic particles and electron wave particle duality well because they won't understand and it will put them off science before they even start but we can tell them about computer chips and the rest and say that science is a path that can lead to inventing these things in the same way we don't tell new christians about the details of the perplexity stage but sometimes we can tell them or show them what living in the harmony stage can be like. I think a church can definitely contain people from all four stages. And this can help people at all stages as long as everyone has a bit of patience and empathy. I think it's important to have a small group of close friends who are all at the same stage, but a larger mixed community can be a real help. You do need leaders who understand the different stages though. But as long as there's plenty of love and patience, it can work. I've seen it work in my own church. Thanks to the podcast. That's from Chris. Excellent. Well, I mean, what do you, you're, you are Mr. Stages of Faith, so let me fling this one back at you. Well, I, I mean, the, the key line that jumps out at me in, in his email is, I've seen it work in my own church because I have real reservations. I don't want to have reservations about it. I want to believe that all stages can fit together. But my mm. experience of people in complexity is that they push, push others away and not people in harmony. But in those earlier stages, when you're defined by who's in and who's out and you're kind of in that duality stage, then if you're at the stage where you're embracing and including and everything, you're perceived as liberal or a bit mm. sold out or not pure enough. So, yes, I think he's right. If there is enough patience and love and kindness, um, you can all live together. My experience thus far is that it doesn't. I'd, like, I'd quite like to go and see it working in his church, to be honest. That would be great. Mm. I think it's a topic I want to come back to, which is, OK, how do you how do you tell people? We talked about it with the karate analogy, didn't we? Oh, yeah. How do you let people know that there is There's there are these stages without making it seem like a you've got to go through the stages because you yeah. don't have to. No. Or B, only the best people get through. Yes, indeed. And yeah. I've been thinking lots about this. I've been mm. thinking particularly about all the phrases that we use to describe ourselves or describe particularly groups that we're in. For yeah. me, from all parts of the spectrum. And how often they are subtle digs at other people. So we talk mm. about, you know, progressive Christianity or yeah. inclusive exactly. Christianity. Yeah. So I'd like to come back to that. I think, yeah, what does it look like? Um, and I, I did. Uh, the point that struck me was he said something like, you, you know, you need leaders who understand the stages. Mm. And I think that's absolutely crucial. Mm. Leaders who've mm. been through the perplexity yeah. stage. Uh, that's what you need because mm. and, and, I, and that's the problem is because I think a lot of them don't survive mm. that stage no. in the model of leadership that we've got. Well, it, it, exactly, because the people in stage two or three, if they hold power, you know, they will get rid we'll, of them. We'll kick them out. Yeah, they will. Yeah. And do. I yes. speak from experience. I used to, yes. Well, let's not. You're already in pain from the dentist. Let's not go back <laughs> over that. Not go, let's not open we'll, old wounds. 
We will come back to that one as well. Yes, exactly. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Chris. Uh, David says, Joe and N, thanks for your last podcast, particularly the discussion (laughs) on God being all-loving versus all-powerful and thinking on miracles. I was reminded of Anthony DeMello. When he was asked about miracles, he replied, where you come from, you think it is a miracle if God does what we ask for, whereas where I come from, we think it is a miracle if we all do what God asks. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, isn't it? Yeah, he says... I've just finished reading Nick's book, The Longest Week, and would commend the conclusion about what Jesus would think of the church. Oh. I, I would if I could remember what I yeah. wrote. But you are a fabulous author. So, you know, it'll be I'll good. take that. I'll yeah. take that. OK. Uh, may I move on? Yeah, no, I like that quote. I like the yeah, quote. I do. I like yeah. the, the, it's a miracle if I do what God asks. I think yeah. that's probably true. <laughs> that's yeah. very good. OK, Paul says this. Hi, Joe and Nick. I found the discussion about gatherings being places of rest for the soul rather than demands on our energy and time uh, really interesting. My soul place is meeting with old friends, drinking a little and laughing about stuff. It feels like coming home, reconnecting with what's most important, proper peace. Here's the odd thing, though. Most of my old friends would not identify as Christian, and some are atheists. A few are Christians, but the sense of shalom can be felt with any of them, regardless of their beliefs. He says, um, I suppose it must be fondness, love and the things we shared that bind us together, despite different beliefs and sometimes different values. He says, I'm not sure that I want that kind of feeling from my church gatherings. Maybe I would if I had experienced it more. But as this ties in with the earlier discussion in your programme, I get really distracted in church services by what is said and sung from the front rather than who I'm with. Take the song you mentioned that I have delicately altered to a version I might be happier singing. And he's written it out for me. So this is what this my God is so so big. My God is so big, except he's written my God is so not bound by dimensions. And when I apply the words strong and mighty to God, I mean them in a way so nuanced as to divide the original meanings of the words, because (laughs) there are some things that God cannot do. Cha cha. (laughs) And he credits me for the cha cha. Thanks, Paul. Very good. (laughs) That's great, isn't it? And that's it is good. Yes. And we'll pick up on this, actually. I want to pick up on the kind of idea that if you get too nuanced about everything, you can't say anything. That's that's an interesting yes. thing. Yes. Sometimes nuance actually paralyzes you. It certainly yes. makes it hard to sing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I I, I I do want us to talk about today about what it is that makes something a sole place. So I think that kind yes, of, I, uh, that's yeah. interesting what Paul was saying. There. Okay, well, in that case, let's just do one more from Peter, who says, Hi, Joe Nick, another great episode. Curiously, he says, this Matthew 11 passage came up with me with a coaching client this week. My burdens, and those are so many people I meet, are those unhelpful inner voices, inner critics mm. and unchallenged beliefs about how things should be or how we should be. So rest for our tortured souls can come from anywhere that allows us to compassionately face the truth and find acceptance and forgiveness. Whether that's therapy, counselling, meditation or whatever, I'm convinced that Jesus received people in this way. How much easier this is in a small group of trusted friends meeting over a meal than a big stage event in a church building. Mm. Good point, I say. Uh, I, I love that idea of, you know, what the burdens are that people carry. Yeah, and and those uh, inner voices can be very loud and very... absolutely destructive i've battled with them this week so i know (laughs) well i was thinking about it this week actually because i was writing a lot about psalms and a Mm. lot of the psalms it's quite problematical because they're quite uh, vicious against enemies Mm, they they do pile it on don't they 
But then I thought, well, what if you renamed your enemies? What if you redefined what your enemies were? Because as Christians, obviously, mm. we, you know, we don't have enemies, human enemies. Not as a rule. We have people who need forgiveness the whole time. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's the deal with Jesus. I, we, I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure we're good at doing it, but that's... Yeah. So, so enemies don't, aren't like that, but maybe my enemies are those kinds of things. Yes, enemies are exactly the things right. that, that... That's who I want God to stamp down on or to help me with. Yeah, yeah inner voices and dentists. <laughs> those are my okay. enemies I think you need uh, Peter's help and talk compassionately yeah. and find truth and acceptance about the trauma you've been through but here's what I think what I've been thinking about this week a lot after mm. last week's discussion is mm. what makes something a soul place rather than just a place mm. Yeah. so you know we've banged on boringly about nature you know i mean well, no, we no, have you know, it, we, d- d- nature obviously is the key th- is key thing for you and but I, I enjoy it as well but nature and people yeah but we're naturists then in that yes. case, if we combine the two yes thank you <laughs> <laughs> but but i think it's got to be about more than just being in in nature i mean nature is restorative we know that mm. it has it seems to have mm. unless unless it's Unless you're in a storm or something, in which case mm. it's not restorative yeah, at all. Yeah. It's quite hard. So <laughs> yeah. nature can be restorative. Yeah. But when you go into nature, what is the? Do you do anything that makes it more than just a yes a place? I do. Okay. <laughs> I do. Do you want to share that with the well? Listener? <laughs> well, you you said being in nature. So right. it, it's the difference between going for a walk and being in nature. So it's possible to go for a walk and not even realise you've been on a walk because you've been so in your head, Mm. you haven't taken a single moment to connect in any way. So that, for me, is a very unsatisfying step. Sometimes it's inevitable. Sometimes it feels out of my control. uh, And I always justify it by saying, well, at least I've got some steps on the the clock. And, you know, and it's done me a bit of physical good, no doubt. But it hasn't really felt like soulfulness in any in any way, because soulfulness is when you stop to be in nature. And that's that for me is very different than just going for a walk and worrying all the way around (laughs) wherever it is you're going. That's great. I'm going to come back on that a Mm. a little bit. But I think there's something there, therefore, about attentiveness. Yeah, absolutely. um, Connection that you're talking about there. Mm. Mm, for sure, and, and and maybe this is ties in with what we were talking about last week about cure of souls and all this kind of thing. Mm. I, I, I was saying about my my speech therapy. Mm. After the speech therapy this week, I felt brilliant. I felt absolutely great, and I felt that. And and the reason was somebody had just been entirely attending to my voice, to how mm. I was sounding, and to to. To me, as and to me, in a way, as a person, because your voice mm. is so tight, it made me realize how much my mm. voice is tied up with my personality. Mm. You know, uh, attending to the voice is therefore a, a way of really attending to who who we are and how we appear mm. in the world. Um, and and I suppose there was also this emphasis on um, quietness that that yeah. is not only hilarious <laughs> but is also therapeutic. You know, yeah. being quiet. And it may be, so I was thinking, what's that spirituality of speech therapy is kind of like, well, attending mm. to the whole person and, and mm. really listening to them. 
which is what you have to do. I, I suppose it made me aware that I don't really have that so much in my life. I don't have a spiritual director. I don't have that kind of no, thing. Right. And so, and so, now I've been turned down by so many, Joe. <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm not surprised. I can't face the continual rejection. <laughs> but it, it, attentiveness, it, yeah. you know, seems to be absolutely key to each yeah. other, and therefore that may be why in the emails we've had people have said my sole place is a small group of people at a meal because you're actually mm. yeah. really listening to one another really trying to help one yeah. another really yeah. attending to one and another and i always think the greatest gift you can really give anyone is to really listen to them yes give them a damn good listening to that's what i say <laughs> i do i do need to because it is it's such a beautiful thing to receive it feels so good when someone does that to you when you yeah. really feel listened to and, and more than listened to understood you know, when you think someone understands you it's a lovely moment of connection and some people are just so brilliant at that aren't they mm. I, I think of our, our mutual Trevor. friend Trevor I know, yeah. I know you're going to say Trevor yeah well, he's, he's, he's the, the greatest world, listener I've ever met world class listener yeah yeah so so there's that there's the attentiveness and the therapeutic mm. nature of it but also I have been thinking about other things as well mm. so uh, out of last week's you know that um, mm. rest rest for our soul yeah and that really uh, can I just say I, I know you're, you're moving on here but we've had a lot of emails this really resonated with people oh, wow, the, okay. the fear of church and the desire to have rest for their souls and the worry yeah. about going back to church and not finding it there people are so hungry if that's the right word that's probably not the yeah. right word but they so want rest for their souls so thank you for everyone who wrote in and emailed for that sorry carry, yeah. carry on yeah no no well that, that phrase crops up in mm. another part of the bible in jeremiah mm. uh, six and uh, and where it's and it, this verse really really spoke to me um jeremiah six i can't remember the exact one i think verse mm. six anyway um it thus says the lord i've got it written on a bit of card here because i've been thinking mm. about it all week mm. uh, stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls ah. i mean it does admittedly the passage does go on to say and if you don't do this it'll be a death and destruction but <laughs> you know ignoring that bit <laughs> That's just God. Yeah. It's God saying that's going to be consequences if you don't do this. You know, the things yeah. will happen. He's not saying I'm yeah. going to muller you. But anyway, um, yeah. sure. what, what I took from that really spoke to mm. me about the ancient path. And I'm thinking, have I, mm. have I lost my way? Actually, have I stopped walking down some ancient paths that I really need to walk down? Oh, now that's interesting. Yes, and, and I think I have. Yeah, I think I've stopped praying very much. Yeah, interesting. Um, and so this week, I've been really... I even got up at 5.30 this week. Oh, uh, that's prayed. a keen moment. This won't last. Well, I must admit, I didn't try to get up at 5.30. I just woke. That's the hydrating Oh, for OK. <laughs> Back on that. <laughs> but but I think what happens is... And this is where, picking up on that nuance, the Paul's uh, yeah. you know thing, is that you, you, you can over complicate everything if you understand more and more about the nuances the complexities of prayer you end up stopping praying because yeah. you're like experts who can never give a simple answer you know too much of the difficulties yeah yeah so i don't know what you think about that what's your 
when you're out in nature, when you're in your swimming, yeah. what's what does prayer look like for no, you? No, that's a really interesting point because I was saying to a group of friends when we were out in the forest, I was saying, I I don't feel I found a satisfactory mode of worship here. I want to stop and thank God for all of this. And I don't know whether the best way is to do that in silence, whether there's a whether there's a prayer that yeah. could be said here. If so, I don't know what prayer. I mean, I could make one up, but, you know, when I make up prayers, they tend to be a bit verbose and wordy and will spoil the moment. That's what I'm afraid of. Um, but I, I feel like I haven't found, like, what is, you know, the the other side of mid-faith crisis, what is the appropriate way for us to yeah. worship together? You know, if, if you're saying, well, it's not singing vacuous songs, well, what are the non-vacuous songs that it would be good to sing? Yes, and if yes. you're saying it's not long, verbose prayers, well, what are the prayers that would be good to say? And, what are, and you know, so I'm sort of scratching around for those kind of resources and those kind of things that really, you know, help me and, and sort of help me in a group to express something deep mm. that will enhance an experience, not detract from an experience. I don't know that I've found that yet, but I really relate to this idea of have we wandered off the ancient paths? Because I, I think in some ways I have too. Mm. I was thinking recently how when I, when I lose sight of the fact that I'm an eternal spiritual being, in other words, when I start to live like this is all there is, like, you know, I did, you know, I'm going to I'm going to live for 70 or 80 years, you know, maybe a bit longer. Mm. Who really knows? None of us know. But, you know, let's say it's that long. Let's say I live till I'm 85 and that's it. It makes me want to squeeze every moment out of life. It makes me want to make sure I don't waste a single day. And I want to and I run around and the focus sort of very much shifts onto my own enjoyment which is a surefire way to not enjoy life, interestingly, paradoxically. I mean, I don't know about you, but I find the times I am least happy in my life is when I am looking after my, trying to, you know, gain my own happiness. If I'm trying to make someone else happy, bizarrely enough, it makes me quite happy. Mm. When I'm trying to make me happy, I, I, it seems like I can never be happy. <laughs> Do you not find that? I'm sure this is what Jesus was getting at in that whole losing your life to find it somehow. There's a direct link between the more you chase your own sort of little agenda in life, the the less happy you will be. Yes. I think that that idea, the pursuit of happiness, can, yeah. is, is ridiculous. Yeah. You can't do it. When we, and if you do... Yeah. What are you going to do with it? Shoot it and stuff it and mount it and put it on a wall? I don't yeah, know. exactly. Sort of, <laughs> it occurs, really. But I love I love this idea of, of spiritual power because we talk about the after, you know, I think one of the things we've said, you know, mid-faith crisis, you sort of think, oh, gosh, this ridiculous obsession with the afterlife. We've just got to ditch this, you know, the life is now. But the I suppose the equal and opposite danger for me now is that I don't think about the afterlife quite enough now yes, now yes. i think this is the, this is all that matters yes and that, and somewhere in the middle is the balance the nuanced <laughs> the nuanced approach that says do you know what i relax you're an unceasing spiritual being you know and now live in the light and joy of that here now yeah. today and today yeah. might be a bad day with the dentist and cameras and all sorts of things but but yeah, this is not all there is. And even, God forbid, 
you've you've got a terminal disease uh, which you know at our tender age we tend to get afraid of <laughs> but, if you've got cameras going where they yeah shoot. exactly even if that is the case and that is the diagnosis there's there's a sort of shalom about knowing but the there's a much bigger picture at work mm. so on the one hand you know you can be obsessed with the afterlife and your theology sort of drives you in a direction that that's all you can think about and that you know you've got to get people saved and blah 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 blah. we've discussed quite a lot on this podcast the problems of that but equally there can be no thought for that and no regard and you left thinking oh so this is all there is you know this is it and Mm. god's here but you know still who knows what's happening in you know 50 years time 40 years time whatever it is next week in your case you know it's it's you know there's that that's a problem as well isn't it Mm. and i think it can lead to living as functional atheists in the end you're you know it's not really shaping you one way or another and i don't want to live like that so i think that 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 idea of you've wandered from the ancient past and you need to refine those i think speaks to me of the sort of second naivety and the coming Mm. back to the simplicity, the other side of complexity. Like you're saying, prayer. We'll pray. Not been reading the Bible. We'll read the Bible with, with your fresh eyes yes, and, and, yes. The, and, and the understanding you now have. Don't give up on it. Come back to it. And yes. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I think so. And I think, well, I think there's so much in there. I, when you think of people as unceasing yeah. eternal beings, for example. Yeah. It's a it's the best way of valuing people as well. Hmm. So I mean that's that C.S. Lewis thing, you know, the weight of glory. You never met an yes. ordinary human being. Yeah. The, the, and I yeah. think that's really powerful. So yeah. even your dentist, yes, is it's an unceasingly true. eternal yeah, it being. De- it definitely is. Uh, and uh, oh, yeah, now so, I feel all convicted. Should oh, I come well, to the front? And do you want to yeah, lay your hands you, on me? Could you? <laughs> could one of our counsellors please come and help Joe? Um, <laughs> Thank you. Somebody from the counselling team. Come on, get alongside him. Thank um, you. <laughs> Just look slightly patronisingly at him for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the other thing about, you know, thinking of eternity or is that, mm. to me, the question is, what difference does it make to you here and now? Yeah. How does it change you here and now? Because if if thinking about what happens when we die is actually going to make you a dogmatic Christian who's going to throw out people who think differently about it. Yes. I don't know. I think you should stop thinking about it. Yes, exactly. And think about something else, like a puppy or something. Just cheer up. Exactly. If, as you were implying, thinking about our eternal um being an eternal unceasing eternal being changes your behaviour to those around you, changes your view of pursuing your own happiness then that's got to be a good thing. And gives you peace, fundamentally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Then think about it, that's fine. And as for the other stuff, you're right. So what I've come to the conclusion is, is don't give up praying, pray differently. Yeah. yeah. Don't give up reading the Bible, read it differently. Yeah. Read it. And, and I have had a couple of experiences this week with prayer. I mean, I went to night prayer in my church last night at 9.30. Night yeah. Oh. Compline kind of thing, and it was like you know, me, the vicar, and a couple of other people, and it's beautiful, it was really lovely, just what I needed. 
Mm. Real, it did feel a really restful soul place mm. there. So I think what happens for a lot of people in, in, in mid-faith is that we rely on different forms of prayer that we're not experienced before and we find mm. a richness in that. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I think we go to different traditions mm. and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it's coming back to that portfolio thing a bit, you know. But you, we, but we need to, I think, not give up on the ancient paths, but discover what is new and fresh in them. And maybe like you going on a, a nature walk, really be attentive mm. to these the, these these paths and these journeys, mm. and just see things in a different way. Really, mm. absolutely. So, what do people do this week? Well, what I do we think. Do? How do we embrace it all? Uh, I don't know. Really, write in. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know really. I think the what. Are there ancient paths that we need to rediscover? Have you stopped doing things that you used to do that you used to find really helpful because you no longer find find them helpful? Could we revisit that mm. and see, well, what are the spiritual yeah. practices for me? That's what I kind of yeah. took from that verse, is what are the spiritual disciplines that I used yeah. to do, used to find really yeah. helpful, and that actually I've stopped. Mm. And it's not just about restarting them, it's about rediscovering them mm. in a way or looking at the fresh that's where i would that's, yeah. that's my little thing what about you well uh i don't know i remember i remember dear dallas willard used to say to people just to sort of shock them into the realization that they were unceasing spiritual beings he would say what's your ten thousand year plan <laughs> <laughs> so, i think i'd encourage people to just maybe work on their ten thousand year plan this week that's great yeah just sketch out a few objectives for the first you know five thousand years and then yeah take it from there terrific <laughs> anyway i we should uh we should wrap up yes, uh, yes. i think that's been a strangely enjoyable experience for me so <laughs> hopefully your your teeth thank are you. okay i do feel better thank you Good. Good. <laughs> Well, thank you to everyone uh, for listening. Thanks for thanks for all who support the podcast oh, by giving, yes. thank giving, you. giving your attention, giving your feedback, giving your money. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to support in that way, you can do so at the website. Yeah. And if if you enjoy the show, please uh, please recommend it to others yeah. and leave a review because that really helps. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back with you next week. We sure will. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>